You are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's 6 p.m. Tuesday, December 6th. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. Today's California report focuses on the world of work. Fast food giants are spending millions to put a stop to a new law that would raise wages for the folks who make your burgers and fries. And other workers are getting sick and even dying from installing synthetic countertops that can destroy the ability to breathe. After regional news and weather, it's Econ Talk Tuesday as we hear the latest stats from Gary Zimmerman and Mark Cuniberti. This is the California Report. I'm Adi Bolaños in San Francisco. Opponents of a first-of-its-kind law that could raise wages for fast food workers in California announced yesterday they've submitted more than enough voter signatures to delay and potentially overturn that law. KQED's Farida Javala Romero explains. AB 257 was set to go into effect next year, but Starbucks, Chipotle, In-N-Out, and others contributed more than $13 million total in just a couple of weeks to try to get rid of the law with a coalition named Save Local Restaurants. Mary Kay Henry of the Service Employees International Union says companies with deep pockets are trying to kill laws they don't like. This is the hypocrisy of an industry that keeps wages low and will spend tens or hundreds of millions of dollars to do so. Fast food companies argue the law unfairly singles them out and that it will close small franchise businesses and raise consumer prices. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala Romero. A group of 17 University of California workers were cited for trespassing yesterday following a sit-in at the UC Center building in downtown Sacramento. It was part of a larger rally as UC academic workers continue their strike now in its fourth week. The workers are demanding that UC administration officials return to the bargaining table. The UC delivered what it said was its final offer to workers over the weekend, according to union representatives. Popular countertops made from synthetic stone are making the people who cut and process them sick. Some of those workers, most of who are immigrants, are dying. The problem is particularly bad in L.A. KPCC's Leslie Berestein Rojas teamed up with Public Health Watch to bring us the story. I meet Juan Gonzalez Morin at a park near his apartment in Sun Valley. It's a clear fall day and the air is crisp, but he's struggling to breathe. He's gaunt. His clothes hang loosely on him. Next to him sits an oxygen tank. He's only 36. Gonzalez arrived in L.A. from Mexico nine years ago and began working in the industry known as el marmol. It means marble, but refers to cutting all stone, in his case, mostly engineered stone. These pressed slabs of crushed quartz are mixed with plastic resin. They're a staple in kitchens these days as countertops. You see them displayed in big box stores. When workers cut, grind, or polish the slabs, like in this YouTube video, the slabs release fine dust particles a hundred times smaller than a grain of sand. Once in the lungs, they can cause irreparable and often fatal damage. Gonzalez says when he arrived here, he had no idea of the risks. He describes the conditions at the San Fernando Valley shop where he worked the longest. You couldn't even see like 10 feet away to the next person. You could only tell there was a person working there because there was so much dust, like a whirlwind. 
He says about 80% of the stone there was synthetic. The plastic resin smelled bad when it was cut. Like garbage, he says. Workers had to cut the slabs dry, without water, which is especially dangerous. Gonzalez wore a disposable mask, and there were big fans, but he says the ventilation system was inadequate. By late 2019, Gonzalez was coughing, short of breath. He went to a clinic and was told he had pneumonia. Well, they gave me the treatment, and I kept working. But as time went by, I kept deteriorating more and more. Until one day, about a year ago, when he felt so bad, he wound up in the ER at Olive View UCLA Medical Center in Silmar. There, doctors performed more tests. Gonzalez learned he had silicosis, an incurable disease caused by inhaling large amounts of silica dust. It's afflicted miners and stonecutters since ancient times. But in recent years, new outbreaks have arisen with the popularity of synthetic stone, which contains more than 90 percent silica, much more than natural stone. Dr. Jane Fazio is a pulmonary physician at Olive View. These particulates are inhaled and lodged into the small air sacs of the lungs uh, and cause inflammation. And over time, that inflammation becomes fibrosis or scarring. She says over time, this scar tissue grows and overtakes the lungs, depriving patients of oxygen. Fazio says there are about 30 known silicosis cases among stone fabricators in the L.A. area. She says the San Fernando Valley has over 100 stone-cutting shops. Fazio believes the prevalence of synthetic stone is what's behind the rise in local cases. These stones are pretty much the predominant material that these folks are using now, as opposed to 10 years ago when they, they almost didn't exist. There are best practices in the industry, like stone-cutting systems that use water to suppress dust, along with high-quality masks and ventilation, but many shops fall short. Meanwhile, regulation has been sporadic. In 2019, the silicosis deaths of two brothers in the Bay Area prompted Cal OSHA to launch a special enforcement program for silica. It inspected about 100 workplaces and issued more than 500 citations. But the pandemic forced the program's suspension. The agency has since revived it, but said as of mid-November, there had been no new inspections. Synthetic stone companies we reached out to declined to comment. Juan González Morín says he's hoping for a lung transplant, even if it gives him just a few more years. He has a lot to live for, a wife, a son, and three daughters, the youngest of whom is five. González hopes consumers become more aware of the dangers that synthetic stone countertops pose to workers. He says people need to understand that behind their kitchens, there's blood and sweat and even death. For the California Report, I'm Leslie Berestein Rojas. Support for the California Report comes from Paint Care. Now with 834 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. Personal Capital, providing people with financial tools like the Retirement Planner to help them achieve their financial goals, personalcapital.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, which bets early on exceptional people making the world better, on the web at schmidtfutures.com. The UCLA women's soccer team took home the NCAA championship last night with a crazy finish. The team was down by two goals for most of the game. Then, with just 10 minutes left... Hanson so good in the air. Fontes the follow. Allen! UCLA on the board! Risky's up two. The goalkeeper in the box to help. It is in! UCLA! 
The team scored two back-to-back goals, forcing the game into overtime, where the Bruins scored with less than three minutes to spare. Seriously, what an exciting game. And that's the California Report for Monday, December 6th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Adi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. In regional news, it's time to pay property taxes. Tina M. Vernon, Nevada County's treasurer and tax collector, reminded property owners in a statement released today that payments must be received in her office by 5 p.m. December 12th or show a December 12th postmark. If received after the December 12th date without a timely postmark, a 10% penalty will be added. If you own property in Nevada County and have not received a tax bill, you can print a copy from the tax collector's page on the county website. Payments can be made online or by phone until 11.59 p.m. December 12th. Drop boxes are available in the parking lot of the Rood Center in Nevada City and the Truckee Town Hall until 5 p.m. on December 12th. Vernon is encouraging taxpayers who have unpaid taxes as of last May 31st to take advantage of the California Mortgage and Property Tax Relief Program. It offers up to $20,000 to cover past due property taxes to homeowners who experienced pandemic-related financial hardships. The $1 billion program, part of the American Rescue Plan's Homeowner Assistance Fund, can cover missed housing payments, including up to $20,000 for property tax relief and up to $80,000 for past due mortgage payments. The Sacramento Bee reports today that investigators are continuing their search for a suspect who assaulted a man with a knife Sunday afternoon inside a Starbucks in Auburn. The assault reportedly occurred around 2 p.m. at the Starbucks in the 300 block of Elm Avenue, according to the Auburn Police Department. Auburn Police said the motive and the weapon were unclear and that the victim did not know the suspect. Police said the victim suffered minor injuries and did not require medical attention. Turning to the regional forecast from the National Weather Service, showers tapered off earlier today and a brief period of dry weather is expected into early Thursday. By the end of the week, we'll see more rain, mountain snow, and difficult travel in the high country. Snow levels will start at 3,000 to 4,500 feet and possibly lower to 2,000 feet by Sunday. The National Weather Service in Sacramento reported today that the snowpack across the state is looking good for early December. Statewide, we're at 175% of average snowpack to date, and for the northern Sierra, 165% of average. Here's the forecast for this evening in Nevada City and Grass Valley. Areas of fog before 11, otherwise clear with a low around 30. Wednesday, expect sun with a high near 48 then patchy fog and increasing clouds on Wednesday night with a low around 29. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, this evening will be partly cloudy with a low around 10 degrees. Wednesday is expected to be partly cloudy, then gradually becoming sunny with a high in the mid-30s. Wednesday night, we'll see increasing clouds with a low around 14. The next chance for snow is Thursday night. Tonight in Sacramento and Woodland, expect patchy fog after 9 p.m. and patchy fog and frost early Wednesday. Otherwise, Wednesday will be mostly sunny with a high near 53. Wednesday night, expect patchy fog after 10 p.m., then increasing clouds with a low around 38. 
You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. In his latest conversation with KVMR's Paul Emery, Gary Zimmerman leads Paul and us through the twisted maze of current economic indicators and what they indicate. Gary maintains that the labor market is still looking strong. Plenty of jobs are being added and wages are on the rise. On the other hand, the Federal Reserve, despite its series of interest rate increases, is finding inflation to be a persistent foe. This economic report is sponsored by Rick Kelb, Wealth Management Advisor with Northwestern Mutual since 1983 on Spring Street, Nevada City at rickkelb.com. Let's talk about today's economy. Uh, There's some important labor market indicators that were released in the last week. Uh, Let's begin with the labor market in November. Is it still adding jobs? Well, Paul, the November payroll jobs report indicated that not only was the economy adding jobs, but it was doing so at a robust pace. In fact, the U.S. economy added another larger than normal number of new jobs in November, 263,000, the number that's in the same ballpark as the economy has added in each of the prior three months. So, you know, moreover, the increase in jobs in November was enough to leave the unemployment rated only a very low 3.7 percent of the civilian labor force, which is considered to be at or below full employment, uh, which is generally considered to be about 4 percent. Another sign of strong labor markets was the 5.1% annual rate of increase in wages over the past year. You know, more evidence of a tight labor market. But, you know, also that's a factor that is contributing to inflation concerns. Well, Gary, if the economy was in a recession now, wouldn't payroll be falling, not increasing? Yes. Um, in most recessions, you or in recessions, you would see that many consecutive months would be reporting sizable job losses with many months during a typical recession showing losses in the range of 100,000, 200,000, 300,000 jobs. Yet in November, the economy added 263,000 jobs. That's a higher number than the average monthly gains uh, in jobs during most economic expansion periods. And that that indicates to me that the Fed's actions starting in March of this year of raising interest rates rapidly to slow economic growth and control inflation have not yet had a dramatic impact in slowing down a, a hot labor market and um, or, or at this point in slowing down the inflation rate much. Well, Gary, I need to add something here. If indeed the interest rates continue to go up, that makes it pretty rough for people who feel they want to buy a home. How does that conflict with everything? Well, that is one of the ways that um, <laughs> central banks slow down the economy, raising interest rates. And so that that would uh, certainly affect sectors that are independent, uh, dependent upon you know, interest rates for buyers to to um, be attracted. And so higher interest rates would slow down, certainly be one thing that would slow down the housing market. That seems to be somewhat happening around here, according to my contacts in the real estate business. But, but let's move on. Uh, were the November job increases spread out across the whole economy, or were there some sectors that reported stronger job growth than others? 
Paul, most but not all of the Bureau of Labor Statistics job categories reported job growth um, last month, uh, while layoffs, uh, especially in the tech sector, have been making headlines recently. Overall, this was another strong job report and one that importantly indicated that the economy continued to expand in November. The service sector was notably strong with large gains in leisure and hospitality jobs, about 88,000, and healthcare jobs were up 45,000 uh, for the month. The government sector, you know, this was mostly at the local level, also added 42,000 jobs in November, and even manufacturing added uh, 14,000 jobs in November. Well, Gary, uh, did any sectors of the economy lose jobs in November? Yes, despite the overall job market strength in November, 30,000 jobs were lost in retail trade, mostly in general merchandise stores. Uh, transportation, warehousing sectors lost about 15,000 jobs in the month. Um, so, you know, we're seeing slowing in retail and transportation and warehousing um, that likely indicates, you know, expected slowing in inventory investment and consumer spending ahead. Well, then why is it important that the economy is still adding lots of jobs? Well, uh, it's important because, you know, continued job market strength, um, while inflation rates remain relatively high and have not fallen dramatically, suggests that the Fed will be more likely to continue to raise interest rates for a while, you know, especially at their mid-December policy meeting. Um, they're going to try and slow growth to a rate that reduces, creates less inflationary pressure in the economy. There you go. Well, we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks, Gary. Thank you so much, and talk to you soon. Okay, thank you, Paul. Gary Zimmerman is a retired senior economist for the San Francisco Federal Reserve and currently is a visiting professor at the Vienna University of Economics and Business in Austria, where he teaches courses in economics and finance. Last spring, Mark Cuneberti drummed up quite a bit of interest, pun intended, when he devoted a couple of commentaries to something known as the government I-bond. Today, Mark checks back in with the I-bond and breaks down its most recent adjustment. He says at first glance, the current bond may look like less of a bargain. But according to Mark's calculations, he still finds the I-bond to be a good deal in the long run. Welcome to another edition of Money Matters. My name is Mark Cunaberti. The government I-bond was recently covered here on Money Matters. This is an adjustable but 100% guaranteed U.S. bond. And at that time, when I covered it in May of this year, it had an interest rate of 9.62% annualized, which needless to say, was one hell of a deal. Investors piled into the bond, and indeed, I received a lot of emails from you folks thanking me for bringing this bond to your attention. Since the bond adjusts its payout rate every six months based on a two-tier calculation, the most recent adjustment brought down the current issue's interest rate to 6.89%. This new rate took effect October 31st. On the surface, the current bond at 6.89% doesn't look as good as the bond prior to that paying 9.62%. But keep in mind that 9.62% bond that was available a couple of weeks ago is now no longer paying 9.62%. 
percent. That's because these bonds adjust every six months. On the surface, this 9.62% still appears better than the 6.89%, but new buyers don't fret just yet. Because of the way the bond is calculated, the current 6.89% bond will outperform the 9.62% bond in about four years. That's right. How can the lower interest rate bond now outperform the higher interest rate bond that was available last month or so? The interest rate the bond is advertised at is actually made up of two components, and each component affects how it will pay out over time. There's a guaranteed base rate and an adjustable rate based on inflation. The guaranteed base rate doesn't change over the entire life of the bond. The adjustable rate can change every six months based on a calculation that takes inflationary statistics into consideration. The previous 9.62% bond had a 0% base rate, while the current bond has a 0.4% base rate. This base rate is a bump to the overall inflation calculation. Note, at 0%, the 9.62% bond will never get that bump that the lower bond we can buy now always will get it. How that all works out over time is that all things considered, the buyers of the new lower rate bond, 6.89%, will be ahead of those that bought the 9.62% bond in about four years. I know all this is a bit convoluted and there's a couple of numbers floating around in your head, but just know that the current I bond is still one hell of a buy in my humble opinion. And although on the surface doesn't appear to pay the same rate, the bond we were buying a couple of months ago did and was covered in the newscast back in May, the lower rate bond will do better than the higher rate bond if you wait about four years or more. The first I bonds were issued in 1998 with a guaranteed base rate of about 3.4%. Since then, because of the continuing erosion of the interest rate set by the Federal Reserve, to address multiple crises such as Y2K 9-11, the dot-com blow-up, and the 08 real estate crisis, not to mention COVID, the guaranteed rates are nowhere near what they used to be. Keep in mind, the adjustable rate is just that. It adjusts every six months, and who knows what interest rates will go from here. The good news is, the way the I-bond is structured, there is also a fairly inexpensive way to bail out of the bond should the rate of return fall into the unfavorable zone compared to what rates may be offered later on. You may also have other reasons to bail out of the I-bond in future years, such as if the market starts to offer more competitive rate returns compared to its risk, or an emergency pops up requiring funds. The good news is the I-bond, as I said, will let you out inexpensively for whatever the reason. And that does it for today's Money Matters. I'm watching the market, so you don't have to. Today's newscast expresses the opinion of myself and is not meant as investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any securities, nor represents the opinion of this radio station, its staff members, or underwriters. I hold a BA in Economics with Honors, 1979, and California Insurance License, OL34249. My name's Mark Cunaberti. That's our newscast for Tuesday, December 6th. KVMR Community Radio gets support from the Nevada City Chamber of Commerce, presenting Victorian Christmas in downtown Nevada City, Sundays and Wednesdays now through December 18th, offering vendors, artisans, carolers, and traditional festivities, such as Father Christmas and the Walking Christmas Tree. NevadaCityChamber.com the KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza and airs every weeknight at 6. If you missed any of our newscasts or interviews, you can listen at kvmr.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can always connect with us on Facebook and Instagram.
This is Joyce Miller signing off. Please join us Wednesday for the next edition of the KVMR Evening News.